Hebrews chapter 13, uh, look at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6. Our author writes, Keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? So six calls to action here and two reminders. And we're going to start with the two reminders uh, so that we, we might be reminded of how we can do the. Because I, I don't know if you caught it, but it starts with love one another and then, and then um, you know, uh, basically be hospitable and, and then, you know, and, and, and keep your marriage right. And these are really, really high, high, high uh, levels of instruction. This is a high bar. He's raising the bar now. We've reached the end of the book. This is now what I expect from you. But then he gives us these two great reminders, and here they are in verse 5 and 6. Uh, he says, and, and it ends with, and be content with what you have, because God has said, and here's the reminders, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me and, and this is where we take our lesson, and it's a two-parter this week and next. Uh, and, and it's a simple truth that when we're called to do these things of God, these difficult things of God, these calls to holiness and to righteous living, this great reminder, we're not alone, and we have help. We have help. And that's what I want you to see as we begin closing our time in the book of Hebrews, is that Jesus is our better help. Jesus is our better help. You are never called to do the things of God, to live the thing called Christianity outside of the help of God, ever. You are never instructed to go in your own power and in your own righteousness and be holy. Never. You're always called to go and do the things of God with the power and the help of God. And if we forget that, we become religious and we start looking like Pharisees. And we live in a world full of religion. And so this morning, we're going to understand our deep need for God. And so uh, just three things uh, in particular that I, I want to focus on this morning. And again, these things aren't easy. They're not natural. I, I tell you that they're countercultural, uh, but we're not alone. The Lord is with us, and the Lord it will help us in these things. And so let's start with verse 1. I want you to see that Jesus helps us love each other. Jesus helps us love each other. And verse 1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Now, now specifically, this is talking about um, your, your brothers in Christ. This is talking about the church, okay? So it's talking, we say, how do you know that, Pastor? Because the word loving each other as brothers, that phrase is actually one word in Greek, and it's Philadelphia. And it, it literally translates, Philadelphia is the city of what? Brotherly love. And that's exactly what it means. It means love each other as brothers. And, and it says, you guys as the church. Now, why, why, why specifically would he say you guys as the church? Why do you need to keep loving each other? And, and by the way, I would, note, I, I would encourage you to notice uh, the language. It says, keep on loving each other. 
right? Keep on, right? That means that there's a time that they've already been doing this. They have clearly demonstrated a great love for one another. They've demonstrated a love as a church. But, but why would they need to keep on doing that? Well, think about it. What's going on? They're facing great persecution, aren't they? They're, they're facing great difficulties, aren't they? Something has, has, has arisen. Life is hard right now. And, and what we see as we begin to study the Bible is that when life gets difficult, fellowship and relationships get strained. Right? That, that, that's what happens. When, when life, get difficult, uh, life gets difficult, it causes some things. And so I want to show you um, specifically how Paul addresses another church that is going through difficult times, and it's in the book of Philippians. And so, uh, book of Philippians, if, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, Philippians 1, I'm going to read 27 through 30 uh, of Philippians chapter 1. Um, I'm going to read 27 through 30. Paul writes, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and, and see you or I only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm, get this, in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith. He's talking about unity without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle that you saw I had and uh, I now hear, uh, and you now hear that I still have. So here, let me just set it up for you. So Paul is in prison, and, uh, and he founded the church in Philippi. He has a great love for the church in Philippi. And the, the, these people have a great love for him. So this is a loving congregation. But something has happened. They are now facing the same opposition that Paul faced that has landed him in prison. And they're kind of freaking out about it. And, and if you read on and you get to chapter 4, you find out that the difficulty that they are facing has caused division. And you might want to write that down. Difficulties cause division, right? They just do. And, and so the difficulties that they, they're facing have caused division. We see this in chapter 4 when he specifically names two ladies. There's now two camps in the church. And this church that was on fire for God, that loved the Lord, they loved each other, and, and they, were, they were so purposeful in mission, they were actually partners in the gospel with Paul. They're, they're now divided. And, and then so to that, Paul says, live a life worthy of calling uh, Contend for the faith is one man and one spirit. And then he gets to chapter 2 and he talks all about having the same mind of Christ, being united by his love and by being united by his purpose. It's all about unity. Why would he go to, to that great extent? Because difficulties cause division. Because difficulties cause us to turn where? Inward, don't they? When life gets tough, who do we look out for? Ourselves. That's what we do, right? Yeah, Ed said, number one. That's right. When life gets tough, you, you look out for number one. We look out for ourselves first. But do you know what happens when, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation and we choose to just focus on ourselves and our circumstance? Do you know what happens to us in our faith? We sink. You remember the story of Jesus and Peter, don't you? Jesus walks out to him in a difficult situation. Storm is raging and the seas are, are swelling and Jesus is walking 
in, in the midst of that. And he says to Peter, listen, you can walk in the midst of this too. Hop on out of the boat. And so Peter does. And, and he's walking actually on the waves. Not, not, not walking. We, we think walking on water. And we think like he's walking on a pool. No. Raging seas, he's walking. Peter is walking on raging seas with Jesus. And, and, and Peter's doing great as long as he's keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, by the way. Uh, but some, suddenly he, he begins to focus on his circumstances he, he probably getting a little bit of salt in his eyes and rubbing them. And then all of a sudden, what, what on earth am I doing? There's wind and waves around me. I'm like a rock. He sinks, right? It's what, it's what happens. When we turn inward, when we focus on ourselves, we, we too will sink. And the, the church in Philippi, which was known for their love, their support, their partnering in the gospel, when times got tough, they were divided and they are, they're, they're sinking and, and this is what I'm just going to say to you. I'm going to say it in love. Listen, we have a very real enemy. Very real. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Right? And Jesus goes on and says, But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And, and the very real enemy that we have, he hates us. And hear me, he wants to sink our testimony. He, he, he absolutely wants to submerge the, the light of the world that is supposed to live in us. He wants no one to see it. He, want, he wants to sink you. He wants to sink your testimony. He wants to sink your family. That's what he wants to do. He wants to sink our witness. And, and the best way that he can do that is by interfering with our love for one another. And so he says, well, pastor, why would you say that's the best way that he could do that? Why would you say that interfering with our love for one another, um, and when difficulties cause division, remember? So why would he cause difficulties? Um, why would that happen? Because he wants to affect our love for another. Why? Because listen to what Jesus says about our love for one another in John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because Jesus has said this, Satan opposes this vehemently. Because Jesus has said the world will know that you are my disciples by how you love each other as brothers... The enemy brings it and does everything that he can to destroy our fellowship and our love for one another because then the world can't see. Not the way that it should. And so Satan will do whatever he can to mess that up. This is the kind of love that we're called to have for one another. And and guys, it's unnatural, right? I mean, it's countercultural because, again, uh, in our flesh, what we want to do when difficulties arise is we want to look out for number one. We want to take care of ourselves. When the ship is sinking, what do you do? You get in a life raft, man. But according to the Bible, as Christians, when the ship is sinking, we're actually called to put our brother in the life raft, even if he takes the last spot. See it? And, and, And let's be honest. That's hard, isn't it? That's, that's, that's crazy, isn't it? Wait, wait a second. Like, like, I love my church family, but I've got to look out for my family. And God says, listen, I want you to put the needs of one another above your own needs. I want you to make sure that everyone else is in the raft. Your, your brothers in Christ, I want you to look out for them first. You say, I, I can't do that. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't seem, you're right, that's the point. You know, I, I hate to tell you, the six things we'll go over in the next two weeks, you can't do any of them. 
That's the point. We need Jesus. And, and, and hear me, here's the great thing. Jesus stands ready to help us. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. The Lord is our helper. And he will help us do this. He will help us love one another in the face of the storms and difficulties of life. We're not alone. Number two. According to this passage, Jesus also is meant to help us practice hospitality. Back in Hebrews 13, verse 2 says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Now, don't get caught up in the last half of that verse and think this is all about angels. Focus on that first half. Focus on that first half. Do not forget to entertain strangers. So, we're called to love one another, which can be tough, especially when we're facing difficulties, which this church is facing difficulty. See, that's the reminder. Even though life is tough for you, even though you're facing difficulties, you've got to have a deep love for one another. But, oh, I'm not going to leave you just there. Not only do you have to love one another, but guess what? You've got to love everyone else, too. You've got to love everyone else, too. That, that phrase... In verse 2, do not forget to entertain strangers is actually, again, it's just one word in Greek, philonexia. So we had Philadelphia, which is love for brothers, and then you have philonexia. And what is philonexia? Well, philonexia is love for strangers. That's what it translates to. It means a love for strangers, or specifically uh, to have hospitality. Right? And, and again, you, you think about that instruction, you kind of put yourself in their shoes, and, and they're doing everything that they can with all their might. They're fighting to stand firm in the faith, right? They, they're, just, they're just trying not to sink, but, but this is a, a battle. They're constantly being bombarded by, by pressure and persecution to forsake Jesus and to return to Judaism. I mean, they are very much actually living like aliens and foreigners on earth. They're trying just to keep it together, and here's their instruction. In the midst of trying to survive, don't forget to love each other, and oh, by the way, love everyone else too. Love, love all the other people too. Love strangers too. And you think, wait a second, hold on. No, no, okay, fine. I can, I can do the first half. I can love the people here in the church. I'll love them, even though some of them are thinking about turning away, even though some of them, I'll, I'll love them, okay? But loving strangers, that means people that might persecute me. Yep. You mean, loving strangers, that means people that might want to put me in jail. Yep. You know, loving strangers, that means people that may oppose my faith. Yep. He says, you've got to entertain strangers. Something I'm going to call you to do, again, completely unnatural. Completely unnatural. Listen, the world will know that we are followers of Jesus by how we fiercely love one another. It, it absolutely will. But they will also know there's something different about us by the way that we love and treat them. Right? By the way that we love and we treat them. By the way that we invite them into our lives. And we shower them with the same love that we've received from God. What kind of love did you receive from God? Did you receive a judgmental kind of love? Did you receive a love that said, once you conform, I will love you? Is that the love that you received? Did you receive a love that said, if you agree with everything that I tell you, then I will love you? Is that the love that you got? That's not the love I got. I got a love that said, I love you. 
I love you, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. I love you the way that you are, and I'm going to keep loving you. In fact, I'm going to love you so much that you're going to want to love me back. That's the love I received. Isn't that the love that you received in Jesus? And we're called to go and and share that love with the world, to love people the way that we have been loved. And and again, it's completely countercultural. Now listen, as a follower of Christ, uh, especially on social media, not me in particular, but just as a Christian, uh, in the last week or so I've been called judgmental, uh, a bigot. Uh, I've been told I was stupid. Um, Somebody posted some article. Again, any idiot can write something and put it on the Internet now. And so uh, somebody went through and they, they, they found every passage in Scripture that, uh, that talked about homosexuality, and they explained it away. Everyone. Indivi- now, they had to do it individually because you can't address it all collectively. So they had to try to, well, well in this particular place, there was this call. I mean, it was the grasping at struggles. But what, the, what that article says is, as a Christian that believes the Bible, believes God is right, I'm an idiot. That's what it said, right? So, so, so I mean, just being lambasted all week, right? Now, now, listen, in my flesh, there's a way that I can respond to that. And in my flesh, I, that's a fight. In my flesh, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to say, you know what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm, I'm going to go on defense. I'm going to go attack. And if I were alone, maybe that's what I would do. But I'm not alone. The Lord is with me. See, if it were up to me, I, I, I might get to a point that I start to get angry. And a little bit of bitterness and maybe even hate might well up inside my heart. But this isn't my fight. And I'm not alone. The Lord is my helper. He is our helper. He helps us to love strangers, to practice hospitality. He helps us to love people that are very different from ourselves. He helps us to love and open our lives to people that we don't know, that may hold very different beliefs, that may not look like us or talk like us, that may even mock us or persecute us. And Jesus actually helps us to extend the same love that we've received from him to them. To open our lives and say, I love you. Even if they attack us, we get to keep saying, I love you. Why? Because there was a time that we mocked and attacked God too. And he kept saying the same thing. I love you. I love you. I love you. And friends, I'm going to be honest. I think that's what our world probably needs more than ever, especially our country more than ever. Is, is a group of Christians that are practicing hospitality and inviting people that maybe have different beliefs into their lives so that they might love them, so that they might love them, people might see that love of Jesus in us. In Christ, we get to show them, we get to extend the same grace that we've received, okay? Jesus helps us do that. Now hear me. If, if you missed the point of the sermon, by the way, that Jesus is our help and you go out today and you try to love somebody on your own, you're going to fail miserably. Okay? You, you go find somebody that completely opposes everything that you believe and you tell me how well you can love them on your own and by yourself. You can't. But if you allow the Lord to be your helper, you'll be amazed at how you can love somebody that completely stands in opposition to you. Okay? Number three. Uh, According to this text, Jesus helps us pray for the persecuted. Again, there's six, six calls to action here, and, and, and we're just walking through the verses. Verse 3 says, Remember those in prison as if you uh, were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. 
Again, this is an unnatural, countercultural kind of thing to do. Our natural tendency when life gets tough for us is, is to worry about us, to look out for number one. And yet the author of Hebrews again instructs us to put others' needs above our own. Saying, listen, you, yeah, I, I know that life is difficult. I know that what you're facing is hard right now. But I'm going I'm to call you to it one more time, okay? You need to think about others. You need to think about other people that are in the same situation or anything, actually says, or, or worse, that are in prison, right? There are other people going through the same fight you are, but there's also a whole lot of people that have it a lot worse. And you need to be remembering them. You need to be thinking about them. You need to be praying for them, right? Do you guys know that according uh, to Open Doors, uh, opendoors.org, uh, there are 39 countries right now that are enduring anything what we would call from moderate to extreme persecution. Do you have that slide? You can't, you can't see this very, other than just the colors. Uh, the red ones there uh, represent extreme persecution. There's 11 countries currently in our world. They're pretty big countries, by the way, where persecution is extreme. Put to death. Uh, being wiped out just because you, you follow Jesus, okay? Uh, there are 14 countries uh, where it's considered severe. That's that, that yellow kind of category, 14 countries. I don't know how your math is, but that's 25 countries in our world where persecution is either severe or extreme. Uh, and then it'll go on. And, and this is what they do. This is a watch list of persecution in our world. They just give you the top 50 countries where Christians are facing persecution. Um, did, did you notice anything about the United States up there? It's up in that. It's real. Doesn't have any color to it, does it? It's none. Not, not, not in comparison to what's going on. And that's tough because, because, listen, I mean, come on. Where have you been? Don't you know there were some bakers that were fined? $150,000 because they had a for-profit business and they decided with the for-profit business they, they weren't going to bake a cake for somebody. They were fined a hundred. That is, that is extreme persecution. Do you see what we're having to deal with? Brother, I love you. I love you. And you know what? It may continue to happen. It probably will. But, but you know what? Take my money. You want to tax me because I'm a Christian? Go for it. I, that is a tax I will willingly pay. But hear me. It is nothing in comparison to what our brothers and sisters around the world are facing. What, what, what happened in America last week and what's, what's transpiring now as a result of that and the persecution that we're now feeling, it doesn't even register on the Richter scale of the pain and the suffering that our brothers and sisters around the world are enduring for the namesake of Jesus. Okay? And, and so the call is just this. Would you just remember? It's a call to kingdom perspective is what it is, right? When life is hard for you and you think, oh my gosh, it's so hard. People are, are now mocking me on Facebook. Well, get off of Facebook, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, life is so difficult. Yeah, but guess what? It's so much hard. It's a call to kingdom perspective. It's a call to understand and, and, and to get out of that myopic concentration on self and instead look to the difficulties of others and to remember them and to pray for them. And when life gets hard, that's hard to do. When life gets hard, that's hard to do. And that's the point. That's the point. You're called to do it. We're not very good at it. But remember, God hasn't left us. 
God hasn't left me and he hasn't left you. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. God, again, you hear people, God's left America now. No, you read your Bible. God never leaves his people or forsakes his people. Now, where you got mistaken is you thought America were his people. No, his people are people called by his name who have accepted his son, right? There's only one nation uh, in my book uh, that, that he chose as his people. It's called Israel. That's not America. God never leaves or forsakes his children. You've been adopted as sons and daughters. And not only does he not leave you, in his ever-present state with you, he offers help always. And, and listen, that help doesn't mean that he's going to help you um, change all your circumstances. In fact, I think more often than not, it's not about changing your circumstances. The help ha- happens to be um, calling you up to holiness and godliness in spite of your circumstances. That's the help that we get. So that we can shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of truth. And God helps us be the light that he calls us. He equips us for the task of ministry in a fallen world by saying, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, and I will always help you be what I've called you to be. And so just in the first three verses, God calls us up to a pretty high standard, but then he comes back uh, underneath that call and says, oh, by the way, you're not doing an ounce of that on your own or by yourself. I will help you be the one that I've called you to be. I'll help you love each other. I'll help you love strangers. And I will help you be mindful of your brothers and sisters that are paying a much higher price than you are. I will help. That's what he does for us, okay? So what do we do in response to that? Well, uh, just really a couple things. Uh, I'll give those to you. Now, the, the first and foremost, I, I would say, uh, as I was praying about this, what the, Lord, the verse the Lord put on my uh, heart was just this, just remain in his love, right? The, the first, if you're going to love anybody, the very first thing you have to do is you have to be loved. Um, you cannot love somebody if you've never been loved. I, I don't know if you knew that, um, but it, it's, it's, it's pretty true. Like, if, if you're one of those people that you never received any kind of, anybody, anybody have that uh, kind of background, like you never got any physical contact or you, you just were, were never, you know, you, you never did, weren't raised in that home where there's, you know, physical hugs or, or kisses or anything, you'll find that person, it's very hard for them to express love to others, isn't it? Why? Because that was never expressed to them, okay? And it just goes back to this truth. We can't love others unless we've, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be loved. And so the first thing I would encourage you, step one, if you're going to love um, your, your fellow Christians, if you're going to love strangers, you've got to remain in God's love for you. And this is what Jesus says, uh, John 15, 9 through 10. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Right? If, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. And Jesus says, here's the deal. Um, man, I, I want you to stay right in this vicinity with me so that I can pour out my love upon you, so that you can receive it, so that once you've been loved, uh, that way you can go love others. Okay? And so, so we have to start here. We're not going to be able to love anyone. Um, do, you, do you know the second greatest command? Most people uh, mess, mess it up. Most people say, yeah, it's love your neighbor. And you only get half of it. As yourself. Right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning, if you don't love yourself, you don't have the kind of love that you need to pass on. Right? So you have to accept God's love. You've got to remain in his love. You've got to start. How, how do you identify yourself? 
What, what, what makes you up? Like, what defines you? Let me tell you, it should be the love of God. Let that be your defining factor. It's not about your faults. It's not about your failures. It's about the, the unending, ever-loving, ever-present love of God. God loves you. How do you define yourself? What's your identity? identity? I am loved by God. That's my identity. I am accepted by God. That is my identity. I have been made righteous by God. I've, I've been declared perfect even though I'm being made holy, all done by Christ for my sake. That's my identity, right? And so, so I, I start there, and it's out of that identity that I can love others. Because I was a sinner that was completely lost, and I was overcome by the grace of God. And out of that love, I now love other people, right? And that's, that's kind of how we work. So we, we start there. Here's the second thing I would encourage you to do. Uh, just the heart of our passage, and you'll see this again next week. You've got to let Jesus help you. Can I ask you a question? How do you receive help? A lot of people think that you're just going to receive help because somebody's going to drive by and see that you're in need. Can I just be honest? That doesn't work out real well, right? A few years ago, we just bought the, the Yukon, and we hadn't put new tires on it. And we were driving out to Ed and Face. We were on 71, headed towards Columbus, and we got a flat tire. And we never had a flat tire before, and I had a, had a kit in the car. I thought everything was fine. Got out, and, and it was aftermarket. Somebody put uh, tires on it, and they had different size lug nuts on the tire, and I only had one wrench and it didn't fit three of the lug nuts on the flat tire really stunk so we stood there thinking surely somebody's going to stop right surely stood there for about 10 minutes surely somebody's going to stop yeah hey, i'm outside my car being passed by you know i don't know 18 cars every minute uh at least here's my wife and my young children on the side of the road there i was like make your sad faces come on right i mean look 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 upset nobody nothing nothing wasn't a single person that pulled over to stop. Why? Because it's real hard to see somebody's need when you're flying past people that fast in life. It's true. How do you get help? You ask for it. It's how you get help. Listen, you've got to ask for help. You need to ask for help. When it comes to the things of God, I know the Bible, I've read it too. Those commands are here, buddy, right? Be holy because I'm holy? What? Are you kidding? Love your enemies? That you're crazy, right? I mean, love one another? Do you know the people in my church? Like, you really? Have you met them? You need help to do that. That's the point. What was the purpose of the law? Do you remember? We, we, we just went over it last week. What was the purpose of Sinai? To point to Zion. To point to our need for a Savior. That was the purpose of the law. Hear me, New Testament? Do you know it's the same thing? All the commands of Christ show us our utter need for Christ. Don't be tired and weary. Don't feel like a failure. On your own, you're a failure. We all are. That's the point. But we have help. We have Jesus. And that, that, that's what we're called to do. We're called to run to Jesus and to ask him to help us in all these things. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down a prayer, okay? Uh, just on the back of your sermon notes, I want you to write down a prayer with me. It's just a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you to pray it as often as you need to, over and over and over. Some of these components aren't going to work for you, and you can toss them out. You say, that pastor is crazy, okay? 
But here we go. All right? So I just want you to just start this prayer. It's very simple. And by the way, because I, I like to take cliff notes, okay? So you can write the first sentence, and every other sentence starts with the same thing. So you can use quotation marks and just change the last word after that. You following me? All right, save you some time. All right? And here we go. Here's our prayer. Ready? Lord, help me understand how much you love me. Start there. Lord, help me understand how much you love me. We're moving on. Lord, help me love you more. Help me love you more. Listen, if you can ask for God to increase your faith, you can ask for God to increase your love. God, help me love you more. God, ready? Lord, help me love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Help me love my church family. Help me love my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. All of them. Not just the ones that smile at me on Sunday. Lord, Help me love people. We're thinking concentrically. We're working our way out. You might put slash strangers. You may even expand that. People that don't like me. People that disagree with me. People that I happen to think have lost their ever-loving mind. Lord, help me love people. Lord, help me remember And pray for the persecuted. We're not good at it. We don't like it. New video comes out of ISIS. I don't want to watch it. I'd rather not think about it. I'm being honest. Right? When when you see the men and they, they all have that black bag over their head. I don't want to think about the fact that each one of those men is a father. Or a brother. Or a son. It's much easier to detach myself from it. I'm called to remember it. And I need help. I need help to pray outside myself. And to stop thinking that my ship is sinking and the world is coming to an end. And, and realize there are much greater things going on. Than the fact that I can't keep my air conditioner at 75. And still manage to pay for it. Lord, help me gain perspective. Help me gain perspective. Here's the last one. Lord, help me live for your kingdom and your glory. Help me live for your kingdom and your glory. It's about getting outside of ourselves and seeing something bigger, a greater need. And friends, here's my promise to you. If you pray that prayer, it will be answered. Do you know why? Because it's a promise. The Lord never leaves us or forsakes us. And the Lord is our 